All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. St. Patrick's Day extravaganza. I don't know if it's an, extra- oh, <laughs> look it's at an you. extravaganza. I'm, of course, Nick. Oh, God. Here you we ready? Go. I'm feeling good. Do we have the rights to that song? Are we going to get sued? Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Lunasa. Welcome back to The Beat, brought to you by MGM. I'm, of course, Nick Bronger, along with Brendan Quinn. It is St. Patrick's Day. Uh, we got the one Irish half of the show on here. How are we doing? Are we? Did we? Did we wake oh, I'm, up? Uh, I'm with terrific. Some, with some corned beef and cabbage, or uh, <laughs> isn't is that the Irish meal? It is bizarre to wake up like in the place yeah. I live in, uh, with no like. I mean, I've worked with <laughs> you today, but like no set plans of like being at an arena or doing interviews or doing God knows what. Uh, like no, a normal St. Like Patrick's, normal St. Patrick's Day, Day in tournament time when you wake up and you, the first thing you think is where do you got to go in 10 minutes and then the second thing you think is am I going to have enough time after this game is over to get to, like, to, get to last call <laughs> to make last call but, absolutely but that's not happening today your last call but you make last call you're in there at your house so yeah, it day. is the, the great yeah. chase of uh, especially those like late week games when there's actual games on St. Patrick's yeah. Day yeah, I think I think you're in a town. You're in a town that has a hard one fifteen last call, mm-hmm. no matter what. Like St. Patrick's Day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember those days. Those days are done for me, at least for the moment. <laughs> 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 we do have college hoops this week. Obviously, Brandon, we thought we'd do a mailbag today. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State stuff pre NCAA tournament. You got any uh, pre tournament thoughts on any of these two before we get into any of this? I know the Big Ten tournament just wrapped up. Michigan's got a lot going on, of course. Um, with Isaiah Livers, we'll get into all that uh, and everything else. But um, how you feeling here as this is about to start? Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Michigan, obviously the Livers thing is weird, and or at least makes them yeah changes their math yeah certainly more questionable than they would have been. I I think if he was healthy and rocking and rolling, I would basically pencil them right on in through probably to the Final Four, to be perfectly honest. Um, and now, man, I just see, yep. I just, I, I look at it like landmines, you know, and, and I, that, that eight, nine game LSU and St. Bonaventure, they're both dangerous, right? LSU's got legit multiple pros on the court. St. Bonaventure, you know, runs great stuff and, and is really well coached and has real talent. Um, you know, the year they had in the Atlantic 10 shouldn't be discounted. They're probably underseeded. Yeah, yeah, good year. Um, then you look at below them, you know, a possible Sweet 16 game against Florida State. I don't like that yeah, for that's Michigan the one I either. I thought I was like, well, um, that's interesting. I think Alabama is the best two seed, mm-hmm. and and they're potentially sitting there waiting for for Michigan uh, in the Elite Eight. It would be a hell of a run for this team to get to a Final Four with without Livers. Um, and who knows? I mean. We also never know. I mean, he's going to sit and rest, and maybe he actually, you know, gets some run here, or there, down the line. Certainly, don't don't be looking for him in the first game, and probably not the second game, and maybe not even the next weekend. But um, you know, I don't think he should just be like considered, mm-hmm. you know, completely out of the picture. You never know what could happen. But in terms of their longevity in the tournament, um, yeah, I think there's reason for concern. Michigan State. Um, 
shit. <laughs> they could lose to UCLA. They could go to the Sweet 16. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, it's just a ridiculous team with ridiculous numbers that nothing makes sense. Um, you know, efficiency-wise, they are not efficient. Basically, <laughs> are, are not in anything efficient. they do. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, yet, you know, they've got Aaron Henry, who's you know just a badass and a closer, and they've found ways to win games. And you don't just beat top ten teams <laughs> right. left and right yeah. down the stretch if you're not doing something right. So they've got that. They've got Izzo. They've got some juice. Um, you know, that said, you got to get past UCLA and BYU. You know, BYU right, played 30 right. minutes straight up mm-hmm. with Gonzaga. Like, yep. They can play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anyone predicting Michigan State? I mean, I were you that were you surprised they were in the play-in <laughs> situation or no? I mean, it didn't seem like that was... Uh, yeah. A little bit, only because, like, all of the bracketologists had them advancing out of it. So I just kind of assumed right, that that right. was right. Obviously, some bids were stolen, right? Georgetown, Oregon mm-hmm. State, notably. Um, I was a touch surprised, though, to see them slide down to that spot, mainly when I saw Syracuse ahead of them. Yeah. And Syracuse is a joke. Right. Once right. again, so that's we're having the why is Syracuse here conference. How many times in a row has that been? I feel like it's like every year now we do this, where it's like, how would Syracuse get in? And then they make the well, Sweet One year 16, everyone right. asked that, and they so, went to the yeah, Final Four, didn't they? Sweet 16 or something. So. Right. We'll see. Uh, anyway, we got questions today. We get into more of all of that. As we go here, uh, the first one, though, I want to ask. Let me find it because um, we've got several, and now I can't find it because I had it here. You want me? I'll fire okay, one off. Yeah. With Livers in, this is from uh, Rick. Okay. Moody. With Livers injury and Michigan's dropping three of five to finish the year, I have lost pretty much all excitement for this tournament. Please yeah. tell me why my feelings are incorrect. Well, <laughs> you know. Um, there are still a lot of teams that would love, or a lot of schools that would love to have what Michigan ha- still has at its disposal. And, you know, they need to figure out a way to play with what right. they have. And their personnel is still pretty damn good. Um, you know, the last time that they, when they had a play in the Big Ten tournament without livers, you know, they were basically doing that mm-hmm. on the fly. Um, now they've had some time to kind of go through what they what they want to look like and how they want to play and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I just obviously talked up their draw, but it's also perspective that like, you know, Michigan's been in the NCAA tournament enough times that, you know, fans and media should realize that it gets really easy to pick apart the team that you watch 30 times in a year. Right. (laughs) But we haven't sat and watched every St. Bonaventure game, and we haven't watched every LSU game, and we haven't watched every Florida State game. Florida State mm-hmm. lost to Notre Dame. Notre Dame right, sucks, right. right? So, you know, there is, on paper, you can find reasons why those teams will beat Michigan. At the end of the day, though, Michigan will be favored in all of those games, maybe until they get mm-hmm. to Alabama. Maybe. They could very well be. That could be a pick. It could be Michigan giving one, Alabama giving one. Yep. Who knows, right? Um, they're still going to be the favorite to come out of this region second only maybe uh, maybe a toss-up with Alabama because of Livers. But um, there's still reason to think that this team can get to the Final Four. And if they get to the Final Four, that's weeks from now. You know, maybe you do get Livers back. Who knows? Um, but I figure if this group goes to the Final Four, 
Yeah. Accomplishment. So. You know, like that. that's, it, it's gravy. It doesn't really matter what happens there, frankly. Um, even getting to the Elite Eight would be an accomplishment. But, you know, I think you just want to avoid, avoid the one eight nine mm-hmm. loss. Yeah, that just would be going. a killer after what this team accomplished. This yeah, year. I think I look at it, I just, I mean, I'm looking at the last game, um, you know, and they lost to Ohio State by a point, and Ohio State's a good team, we all know that. Uh, you take livers out of the equation, and you say, okay, well, you know, what did they have left? They lost to Ohio State by a point, I know they had to make a comeback, but, you know, Wagner's 2 of 10, Mike Smith's 1 of 11, Shondi Brown's 1 of 6. I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to have all three of those guys necessarily, you know, shooting like that in any game, but what this does, though, if you take livers out, is it just lessens your margins. So, if you do have that happen again, you're, you know, I mean, I don't know if that still means you're going to lose, because like we said, all that happened, and they still lost to Ohio State by a point in the in the Big Ten semis. Mm-hmm. So, you look at it that way, and you say, well, if, if guys are doing, you know, reasonably what they're supposed to be doing, for the most part, and you lock yourself back in, <clears throat> you know, and obviously livers is a huge deal, and you feel terrible for them. Uh, because he played, yes. you know, he's played so many games here and won so many big games for Michigan and done so many big things for them. And I think we'll be remembered as one of the most successful, you know, I think we'll remember him sort of how people remember Jordan Morgan and and guys like that, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe even a little better. I don't know. I mean, Livers played in a title game. He started in a title game, all that. So um, that aside, though, this isn't like you're removing, I'm not trying to like downgrade this, but it's not like you're removing Luca Garza off the team. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you're removing your heartbeat and everything else, and that's super important. But it's not like you're losing your no question. He's the only guy that you have that's going to get you shots or whatever. So right. I think part of the draw and appeal for Michigan the whole year was that they were a deep, balanced team that just can come at you in different ways. And I still think that that's possible. But obviously now, like you said, whatever reaction they had against Ohio State was sort of you know on the fly. Now you've got a couple of days to go over it. I'm inclined to believe we could see them circle the wagons and come out and look completely different. But at the same time, like you say, I mean, you know, it could be, it could right. be bad. I, that's the thing. Like I, I was talking to Dylan about this, uh, or talking to Dylan about this earlier this week. Like, what's most interesting about this injury and where Michigan finds itself is that personnel-wise, like Livers is replaceable, right? And I By put that in big air people, quotes, yes. like. You, like, you have a guy who's the obvious, okay, the the sixth man right. becomes a starter, right? Sean mm-hmm. D. Brown from A to B. It's, you know, not seamless, but right. it works, okay, on paper. But in doing that, that doesn't mean that you want Sean D. Brown to be right. Isaiah Livers, right? The reason Shondi Brown has worked so well this year is because he has this role that's been defined and he does it exceedingly well and he just plays within himself in that spot. I think in this circumstance, Mm -hmm. keep doing that. Like You want him to just keep being Shondi Brown. You don't want him to go above and beyond. You don't want him to try to be Isaiah Livers. You want him to do his thing and then you want everyone else, Hunter Dickinson, Franz Wagner, Eli Brooks, most notably, right? Mm -hmm. Mike Smith as well. Those four raise their game to make up right, for Isaiah right. Livers, right? And then you let Shondi Brown be Shondi Brown. You let Brandon Johns, you know, come in and try to contribute in any ways that that he can, and and you try to get through this thing and and find yeah, a way. find a way. I guess that's probably the best way to put it. You're gonna need help from guys like Williams too, I would think. You know, 
You get into the yeah. tournament. Yeah, Terrence Williams is going to get some run. Yeah. He's had a lot of games where he sat and watched right. the damn thing. And, you know, you get here now, and we've, like you said earlier, I think you said it well, you know, Michigan fans have seen enough now in the last decade to know how the tournament works, you know, including yeah. seasons right. where it looked not like, you know, an injury is different. An injury when you take away, you know, your one of your best players, maybe your best player overall, that's obviously something different. But, you know, they've seen years where, you know, Michigan hadn't always won the Big Ten tournament. There were years where they took a dump and and went to the tournament with Beeline and then took off. I mean, the, the first Final Four was like that. So, um, you never know. It could certainly happen. I did find... Go ahead. Yeah, like, I would I would feel better about this team's chances than, like, what was the... What was the... the, the Brasdakis pool year? Was that... That was 19, right? Oh, God, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I agree. I like agree. That, you know, that, yeah. that, that team... You know, won a they bunch of games, right? Done. I think they they won they won twenty six mm-hmm. games in the regular season. Lost to Michigan State the Big Ten, yeah. uh, in the in the Big Ten championship. They lost to Michigan State three times in the last yeah. couple of weeks, right? But like that, I mean, that team won a shit ton of games and looked really good at times that year. But they were coming yeah, they apart were coming into the that NCAA tournament. No question like, about it. This team is in better yeah. shape than that team, even with the livers. I would injury, agree with that. I That's think. a good way of putting it or framing it anyway, because this one doesn't seem to be as where you know worn out. Like that team didn't have any. It turned out that team had no margins the whole year, and whereas this one mm-hmm. is now starting to, you know, part of the reason why they were as good as they were is because they had wider margins than most. But now, yeah, no, that's a good way of looking at it for sure. I would agree with that. I did find the question right. I was looking for, and it go. is a beeline question. Um, and I know you're going to like this one, but this is always a fun one when we do. So the Indiana job is obviously available, folks, if you have been living under yes. a rock here. Uh, so from Jeff, uh, question, the narrative that I'd always heard was that Beeline got out of college largely because he had grown tired of recruiting, quote, you know, new kids, kids that don't stay, et cetera, the constant shuffling. Uh, so now he says he's hearing that this isn't necessarily true. Are you able to expand on what you know with regard to Beeline, recruiting, why he left, the whole shot, and maybe why, I'm adding this here now, but maybe why he'd want to possibly entertain coming back. So, you know, that narrative, and then maybe just general <clears throat> Beeline talk. Right. Which um, is not all the way true. Okay, so... Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, my, I mean, my read on on the, the question itself, my read on all of that has always been like, did John Beeline love recruiting? <laughs> no, do most coaches? No. Um, the second part of it, you know, players staying yeah. and, and, and guys making decisions that maybe he didn't anticipate, that definitely wore yeah. very thin on John by the end. Um, and there was high levels of frustration with this idea of, you know, guys looking to leave and what is the agenda and, you know, buy-in and blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, if the Cavs didn't make that offer, right. he would have stayed at Michigan. He'd still be the coach, right? probably. So it didn't drive him that crazy that he was going to, you know, cash in his $3.5 million contract <laughs> right. with Michigan and wash his hands of it and say, oh, I'm yeah. done here. I can't do this, right? Like, you know, he was still a college, but he's a basketball coach, and and he had a great job. But at the end of the day, the Cavs offered an opportunity for him to live out a both a dream and a challenge that that he was ready for. Um, you know, when when he walked into that the second time around, this was after the first 
Dalliance. Did I pronounce yeah, that correctly? Dalliance, I'm not an educated man. Whatever. Yeah. Dalliance. Everyone Dalliance. knows you, <laughs> um, you know, we all remember the Pistons yeah. thing, right? And after the Pistons thing, it was God wants me to be at Michigan and all that. Well, you know. Until I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> that's great and all, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Beeline, Beeline wanted to see if he could go do it. Yes. Yeah. And you only get so many opportunities. So when the, off, the offer came, mm-hmm. he did it. And that's really what it came down to. Um, but nobody likes recruiting. No one likes talking to donors. No one likes the bullshit that you have to put up with. And no one likes that some programs operate one way. Other programs operate another way in terms of rules, in terms of how you get kids and blah, blah, blah. Like it drives everyone crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the misread that I've always thought that John had was the idea that Going to the NBA meant that he just got to be a basketball coach. Right. And that he would work with just professionals and he could just focus on the game and the X's and the O's and just coach. And that's not what it is. You need to be able to deal with still teenagers, still extremely young players, but except they're ones that now have millions of dollars in their bank account and they're, you know... You think the hanger-ons when they're in college are bad? How about the hanger-ons? Oh, God. Yeah, no, that's going to get worse. When they're a millionaire in the NBA, right? Like, um, if you think uh, players are a little delusional as college players, imagine how delusional Mm -hmm. they are as pros. Like, if you think that you can control the situation in terms of minutes on the clock that every player has to adhere to, that's gone. Right. In the pros. And in the college, you know, John was the tick-tock on the yeah. clock, man. Like, he set every schedule for it. When you eat, when you sleep, when you open the mm-hmm. curtains on the mm-hmm. window, right? And you just, you relinquish all of that when you go to the NBA. And at the end of the day, I think that was oh, yeah. what went wrong. And, uh, you know, the ending was the ending, but... In the big picture, that was that was the ultimate misread. But he didn't. It was not throwing his hands up for recruiting that was the the final straw. I don't think. Yeah, What's I mean, no, I think that's all accurate. I think that everything you said there is my understanding was that's what exactly what it was. Is that there were things that were wearing. I mean, look, he said it to us. If you listened, I mean, he talked the one day before a couple weeks before he left. Probably the last time I remember he talked in the media room there about you know his schedule. Which involved going, you know, overnight to see, I think it was Franz Wagner and everything else and how crazy it was right. and how it was wearing him out. And he'd had the heart situation the year before. But, like, <clears throat> the challenge of doing it was there. You know, we knew that he was probably going to take it if it presented itself again. But I also would say this, because I think that, and not that Jeff asked this because he didn't. But we've, you know, I've gotten this sense from others before and back then when he left. There were these narratives reported when he, when he came back um or I don't even know if the word came back is right. Uh, but there were these narratives written during the Pistons dalliance, we'll call it again, um, that <laughs> the pull of Michigan was so great that he was never going to be able to leave Michigan. And I think that yeah. that, and again, and we wrote again when we both did and others did too, in the Cle- when the, the Cavs thing happened, that that was just totally misguided and people just writing stuff mm-hmm. to... 
you know, I don't know, rock themselves to sleep at night, whatever it would have been. That was wrong. John Beeline is a basketball coach before he is anything else. And while we're not here saying that he doesn't like Michigan or didn't like his time at Michigan and didn't cherish it and everything else and doesn't feel like he's part of the place because I think he would tell you he does, he's still a basketball coach ahead of anything else. And that's the bottom line situation. So I have gotten some things from a few people that were like, I thought he was done. I'm going to be a little surprised that he comes back. And I don't know if he's going to come back and coach in the Big Ten. I don't know if we'll see that or not. But I think people that were still on that fence should probably prepare themselves to see John Beeline coaching again at some point, I would think. Because that's the point that seems to keep popping up once in a while. I do see it where it's people that are a little like, should I feel, am I going to have to feel upset if I see him, you know, on a sideline again? Because I feel like he he walked out of here and... I thought he was a Michigan person forever, and it's like, well, he didn't tell you that. Um, <laughs> I don't think necessarily. I mean, well, he, he kind of did, did he after kinda, the he Pistons did, thing. I guess. That's true. Um, but at the same time, like, I, you know, I guess we tried. I always to thought he went, and I, I, th- I think I said it at the time to him when he when said something like, "I like, think I belong here, but this isn't me forever." It was like, "This isn't my right. life." But I think I belong here right now or something. That's what I remember him saying. But go ahead. Sorry. So should we just talk about, you know, the potential of him taking a job right now? Because I'm sure. sure there's a bunch of questions yeah. about that, too. Um, my read and like, yes, I have a relationship with John. But like one, one of the things that's almost kind of hardball, hardballian in the sense of like anyone who says that like they know from his side yeah, right. is probably pretty full of it. Because, you know, John will talk to people, but he's not exactly like... No, you only get little snippets. He's yeah. not exactly opening up no. vein, you know, and letting letting you in and telling you exactly what's going on and all this. And it, it's going to be kept at a distance. Right, it's almost like a game that he plays. So, like, <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and um, if there's any leaks on, like, anything that comes up, it ain't, it ain't coming from him. It ain't coming from him. You know, you're talking about a guy who went through the Cavs deal without it coming out. Yeah, nobody, right. All the way along the way. Now, things are different because he doesn't have a job. And back then, he had to, he had to watch his ass because if he was connected to a second NBA job without taking it in two years, try yeah, recruiting with over. that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this time around, um, yeah, I, with Indiana... I, I it was really funny. It went from like the first day, Beeline was seen as like, we'll see about this. You know, yeah, maybe right. he's an option. To like thirty six hours later, I got like my phone won't stop ringing with people being like, so is he? Ta- I'm hearing he's taking the job. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that escalated really quickly. I I, I don't think it's no, at right. that point. Um, <laughs> so if if I'm Indiana, I think you'd be crazy not to go down the road with him and see, you know, yeah, if I would do it right now, especially, um, you know, there's other coaches in the final four and all this stuff. And there, there's, this is the very weird back channel time where you might need to be kicking the tires on guys while they're still hoping to lead their team to a national championship. Um, so, you know, Beeline's mm-hmm. just sitting there at his house. You can call him yeah. anytime. Right. Um, <laughs> What is he going to do? My read on it is the fire is there to coach again. He he did sign a five-year deal 
mm-hmm. with the Cavaliers back in the day. And that wasn't that long ago. So, you know, this isn't a retirement in the sense of like a planned, I'm out at this age. Right. It's not that. So, um, I think he wants to coach again if the right spot comes. I don't know how he feels about Indiana. I really, I honest to God, have no idea. Um, deep down, if he wants that. Yeah, I don't think it makes any he, sense. I'm just being honest. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it would fit. I I don't not? think it would. I mean, maybe it would, I guess. But the pressure of that job is, I think he could make it work. I think he could make it fine. I think he'd probably win there. I don't know if he'd win enough. I don't know if he would win at the level that they want. And the pressure of that job, I just don't feel like it's something that he's going to want to deal with. Look, I mean, he loved being here and having the ability to be the basketball coach at a football school. He loved it. Like, I don't know how much... Indiana is a football (laughs) school right now. (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess technically that's true. But we all know it's not in any way true. But he loved it. He loved being here and being like the shadows guy. He would tell you that, right? Like, I don't know how much he broadcasted it, but it was like this... I used to joke with you, like, if Beeline could, like, take the University of Michigan, uproot it, move it to, like, a random city in somewhere in, you know, Connecticut or wherever else that nobody would ever pay attention to anything and he could just coach basketball and never be bothered by people like us, then he would do that. But, like, this is not... Indiana is a national job with, you know, a ton of people in the state, more than here, that are going to be up in his shit, everything else. I just... I got to tell you, at, at his age and everything else, I don't think that he's going to want to chew all of that once it gets bitten off. But that's the thing I look at and say, I just think that that's something that's going to wear him out. And I I mean, he's older. I don't know how good of a fit it is. I mean, at this, I mean, 10 years ago, yes, but right now I'm not really sure. And I mean, Beeline as a recruiter, you know, Indiana people love their recruiting, man. I mean, he's not going to come in there and recruit the way that, you know, maybe I guess, because you get in, you get better players in Indiana, maybe in certain situations, but I don't know. I don't know. So, I don't know if they would be patient enough because I think it would take them a minute, and I'm not sure. I read a lot of stuff on the Indiana side of things. Yeah, yesterday. I also don't know where they're um, at as a fan base and everything. You know, just coming out from like the locals and um, a bunch of people you yeah. and I know. And as I read it, and it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> stuff about Beeline. It was stuff about right. Exactly. IU That's what I'm saying. And the fans mm-hmm. and all this. And as I read it. I started coming around more to the idea that this, I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. And and I don't think, and again, this is, I mean, I can't stress this enough. This is a thousand percent mm-hmm. my thinking. Um, Michigan fans wanted John to bring in five stars. He didn't bring in five stars. and Yeah, that's fair. They came around because he won games. Um I think because of who he is and his profile, he could get to Indiana and start recruiting at a level that he did late mm-hmm. Michigan days, which is top 150 kids. Sure. You get in with a couple, you know, yeah, top it wouldn't 50 be like kids. it was at the beginning, yeah. And and given what Indiana has been for the last quarter century, I don't know how much the fans would be stomping their feet if they're not getting McDonald's All Americans. I think it would be buy-in on if it's this or taking a total moonshot on Calvert Chaney or 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 hiring 
Mm-hmm. Dane Fife, right? No offense to Dane, but like, you know, a guy who hasn't won. John's won at this level. He's been a head coach for two Final Fours. There's reason to say, trust the process well, if yeah, you bring in fair. Beeline, right? So, you know, I think IU fans would have to be pretty ecstatic if it was Beeline and then sign themselves up for what that looks like. You're not go- if you If you're going to be excited about getting a guy like Beeline and the success he has, then you also have to come to grips with what it's going to look like to do that. And he is a guy who has been a creator of developmental programs where he brings guys in and he develops them and he develops the program kind of in lockstep with that. You know, the question is, would, if he went to IU, would he be able to get the guys, get it up to speed and get it going that in year three, Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. When these people get right, crazy, they would. I mean, that's the thing. Are you able to make a Sweet 16 run and a Lead Eight run, whatever? I I don't think you need to win a national championship in year three. I don't think you need to bring in McDonald's All Americans. Um, this IU is like a wounded animal, man. <laughs> like, well, it's good that they're at least at that point. I and guess. I think some yeah, of the perception right. is probably a little. Right. I think some of the our our yeah, outside exactly, perception yeah. and national perception is probably mm-hmm. flawed. Oh, I'm sure it is about this belief that you need to go in there, get a bunch of McDonald's All Americans, win national championships, <clears> and like I don't think that's the case anymore. Um, I think it's showing making Indiana basketball relevant again, and John Beeline I think does that very quickly. So yeah, I don't know who else you're going to get either. Um, but well, I mean, it depends yeah. on who says no, and like, where is where's Beeline on the pecking order for for Dolson? I I have zero idea about that, but you know, I think it's he should. You're, you're right. Your moonshots are your Brad Stevens, your Chris Beards, your. Um, Scott Drews, right? That's kind of the collected list. Mark Few. Um, they all say no, hypothetically. I don't know how you go past Beeline after that. No, no, no. They have to you, go down the road with him, for sure. I mean, I, I would be yeah. more inclined to believe... Like I, to, like I said, I mean, I still think that he would do. He would be able to do what he needed to do to win games there. I just don't know if he'd want to put up with all the stuff. And again, like I said, I don't I, know where I the mean, fan base and, is, and you have a point. Because like it could be in a situation where... And when I say fan base, I guess I should clarify. I don't know where the... And I assume, I guess maybe I should know, because they just paid $10 million through private money, you know, to fire <laughs> to fire Archie. Mm-hmm. So really what I'm talking about here is, like, in this head basketball coach it's at University of Indiana, or IU, Indiana University, inside the state of Indiana, is kind of a big deal in the state of Indiana. You're all over the place. It's a You are a sure. visible person quadruple what you would be as Michigan's basketball coach, right? Like those are right. your your requirements or time commitments for people that have nothing to do with how your team performs on the court are going to go up exponentially. Mm-hmm. And I always look at Indiana basketball in a similar way that I look at Michigan football. And it's not the same thing because Michigan football is obviously bigger and they have more money and everything else. But the fan base is conditioned to look at it in a certain way, through a certain lens. It has been for a long time, and maybe that is changing. And the rich portion of the fan base can always keep mm-hmm. its, you know, standard, whatever it wants to be at. And those are the those are the things I think that you deal with as a coach 
that we know about that happen behind the scenes that wear on guys to a point of they're just like, you look at them a year into something and you're like, are you sure you wanted to bite all this off? I mean, it's a lot. So that's the one thing I look at. I think he can still do it. I think he can coach. I think everything you said makes sense. You go in there and you you set your program up. You probably surprise somebody in the second year, and then by year three, you're probably pretty good. That's what I would I would envision that going yeah. with him. But like, I don't know if he's going to want to put up with it. That's the thing. I don't disagree at all. Like there are probably better fits for him yeah. personality wise. He fits them. I don't know if he lifestyle they fit him is what I'm is what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean that's like that's on. John yeah, Kathleen yeah, line, right to, to decide, do, do you want to go do this where you're basically like the governor of the state yeah, right. when you take that job, you know? like I mean, look, um, look. It's a huge undertaking. I said, the one thing I said earlier this week, going to IU is like a like legacy. It's a huge Bending deal. decision. Like it changes. Right. <laughs> It changes like what he has done and how he will be viewed and blah 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 blah. Right? If a job like Notre Dame were to open right. and John goes to Notre Dame, which would be like the That's most perfect. obvious fit ever. Yeah, you can go go to a couple NCAA tournaments. Everyone's happy as shit. He can bring in you know a number two, have a little coach and waiting action going, ride out his days, still be in the game, have a great time, recruit the kids he wants to recruit. Terrific. It all works out. IU is like people will judge well, that's big boy. him on what he yeah, does in that job. You know what I mean? It, like that's what that's how that's gonna go. Exactly. Down. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So you know that's that's on him. I have zero read on that. Don't don't know what he's thinking. Don't pretend to. No idea. Um, like before before Iowa State got filled mm. last night. I was actually looking at Iowa State and I'm like, you know, Iowa State would be a sneaky. No, it'd be great. Would have been. Really good spot mm. for him. You know? Loves basketball. Yeah, they're into it. Fill, fill the building they up. They have yeah. money. You know, they do things the right way. Great venue. I thought Minnesota would like, be. Like, man, that would be. Interesting, possibly. I'd, I'd be curious. Like, I'd be curious how he would feel about. Uh, and I, I, I don't know this either. I'd be curious how he feels about taking yeah, a Big Ten right. job that's not Michigan, right. too. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I mean, but it, it, we'll see. I mean, there's two open. Hey, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, Juwan goes to the NBA. What? Yeah. <laughs> he just backdoors his way back in here? <laughs> Look, last thing I'll say about that, the Indiana part, before we get out of here, the fan base is a wounded animal, I'm sure, and they're in a different place, I'm sure. But let's remember that uh, IU fans, like everybody else, a lot of them anyway, I'm sure, uh, had to wait a year to go watch their team play in person until they got to see him in the Big Ten tournament and then spent the entire game booing them out of the building. So... Right. It's always there. Like, that's the thing that I'm saying. It's always well, under the and surface, and it's bubbling, and it's waiting to get you. Michigan fans right. were ready to run out John Beeline right. in 2016. It's more there for, uh, on the basketball side. It is more. It, it is. Yeah, that was and a heat he lamp. Would be, heat lamp. He'd be walking he into a He would be better prepared fire. for it than he was, certainly, because Michigan basketball right. is much more intense than I think a lot of people probably give it credit for, because once, especially when football's bad. And all the, and they all just turn their attention to basketball and point the same guns at them and be like, well, what do you got? And if you'd let me doubt, I'm going to be furious at you too. So, like, that that happens, but it's just going to be on a mm-hmm. different level. Yeah, it's like on steroids at Indiana. And, and the other thing, w- one other thing I've always thought about what it would take for him to come back in the right spot is going to be his read on what it's going to take to turn that program around or if he took over a successful program to keep yeah. that success yeah. going. Like... 
I don't, based on his experience in Cleveland and what losing did to him mm-hmm. mentally, like any massive rebuild, right? That's going to take just multiple years of getting the shit kicked out of you. Yeah. Right. Like when people were tried to float his name for like Wake Forest or BC, it's like no chance. <laughs> no, 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 not no. happening. That that was going to require three yeah. years of painstaking. Right rebuild to get that thing to be you know ncaa tournament ready to go compete um what would his mike my question would be what would his read be on how far away is indiana they would never be too far away you wouldn't think so because of the level you could recruit at right that you can bring his program would be a good three years it would you're right it would take a minute yeah it might be it it might take some time. It would be at, at a IU jarring, that. whatever. I don't know what Archie Miller ran. I don't. Doesn't matter. It would be a jarring change. Right, but yeah, they're going right. to lose. They're losing. They're going to lose Trace Jackson Davis. Dorm's already That's in true. the transfer yeah. portal. You could see some other guys going. Like you could have a full blown rebuild a roster situation. And now the transfer portal makes things a lot easier, right? But, um, Big Ten ain't getting no. any weaker. It's the best conference in the country. By a lot, yeah. And uh, you know, it would it, t- it would take some effort to start winning immediately yeah, I don't there. Know. I mean, it's not the easiest. I mean, that's why again, we like Zach Osmer and I talk about this all the time. That's why it's a lot like Michigan football. It is not an easy right. path. They do not have an easy road and like when people bring up the is it Indiana basketball <laughs> or is it Bob Knight that we're talking about that we remember so fondly for all the wins and all the banners and everything else and sometimes it's like i gotta tell you i don't know i mean it it hasn't it hasn't rebounded in the last it's been Mm -hmm. you know 20 years i looked at it the other day and i was super fascinated when they got rid of archie miller like or when they hired archie miller because i i didn't think that was going to work i was one of the ones that didn't think that was going to work and you look at that and they're a 20 and 14 ish program over basically 20 years like <laughs> yeah, so if you look like right. Ken Palm has its program rank that it's it's basically ranks the programs over the Ken Palm yeah. era, and Indiana's twenty third, and that's it's a just little, ahead of Xavier right, and Florida and I, that's State. That's a little high. I would have thought maybe that would be lower. They lost. They've lost fifteen <laughs> games nine times in twenty years. Yeah. What? <laughs> like so? Like twenty yeah. years? Not two or three. Twenty. So, like, those are things that you think about when you think about these legacy jobs, these big, big jobs that are, like, in desperate spots. It's like, well, they might be in a desperate spot for a long damn time. And do you want to get your, mm-hmm. your hands in that? And, you know, like, it'd be a challenge. I don't know. He must, he'd he have to be really itching, I think, to take the Indiana job, which he might be. So, hey, you know, that's certainly on the table. Yeah, I mean, if it's... if. If you're really pissed about how things yeah. happen with the Cavs, and you said, you know, I want to come back with some vengeance here and, and redo the name, well, that be. would be the job, man. You know, um, from Nez, at what point Friday did Turgeon have shit running down his leg? <laughs> yeah, Can we talk let's about this? Talk about it. Jesus, I mean, first of I, all, as our resident wrestling first expert. Of all. You're the you're the you're the director what? of violence on the pod. What was so, your take here? You watch the clip, the Zapruder uh shot right of this from somebody's like baseline camera or whatever and Turgeon says after the game that all I said was don't talk to me or whatever and I'm standing up for myself or whatever and I'm just like he was like yelling at him 
and like animated like with his hands and everything else and he and I don't know if I would say that he like charged him necessarily and he's an older short guy or whatever but like he did come at him he did like advance towards him and you look at that and you're like, what was he planning on doing? Like, did he think that, like, or was he waiting for the brigade to come in and step in front of him? Like, the whole thing you do in the playground, right? right. But it was, I don't know, it was very strange because it, I don't know, you obviously know way more about this than I do, but it clearly, is Juwan, like, barking at other coaches and they just get nervous about this and they don't like it? I mean, like, is he just, I, I mean, like, playful. It, I like, think just it's like, a... Th- Talk back and forth during the game, or what? I wouldn't no? say it's playful. Okay, well, that's not the word not I would playful. use. Like, like just I, competitive talk. I think it's yeah. a thing in the big. I think it's a thing in the Big Ten. Uh, how much Juwan Howard rides okay. the refs, uh, explores the yeah. space. We'll say um, it's really interesting when he goes at a ref because you know he's yeah. six yeah. nine and he like towers over. Like he's talking to, like Larry Scr- right. <laughs> Like, and Larry's like a bad dude. Like, yep. he's built as shit. He's a former beat cop in Pittsburgh. Like, Larry's not scared of people. Larry's probably a little worried yeah. about twice. You know? Um, but I feel like some coach, I feel like it's a little bit of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, how, how Juwan, his, his sideline demeanor and things like that. And obviously, he takes no shit. So. If he feels the other coach is doing something, he'll be well, down seen. there a little yeah, bit. Right. Like he he and Fran got into it. Um, I mean, you know, the the legendary moment is this the game at East Lansing in his first year when he ran on the yeah, the damn court right. during the during the game to yell at the official. Um, you know, I feel like that's something that, like in all seriousness, uh, in his yeah. development as a head coach, like he he probably yes. needs to address. Yeah, I would say so, and, and and start thinking about because you know. If you get a reputation, then refs start that you get less and less leeway and things like that. And you know, him quasi going at Mark Turgeon mm-hmm. and like, and I know Mark kind of stepped at him, and it's really hard to kind of gauge exactly what happened. But like, when things rise to the level of like dudes are being restrained, yeah. that's where like league offices have to be having conversations and university presidents are getting yeah, that was a lot calls, that was right a big, like it was not just like a you know th- that wasn't nothing so uh and you know and howard to his credit you know and he owned it after the game it was just right. like you know he didn't really defend himself there as like yeah that was I mean, he said, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick up for myself. But he also acknowledged that, like, he lost his cool and that that, that can't happen. So, um, fast. I mean, but yeah, forget whatever. all that serious bullshit. On an entertainment was, level, yeah. that was amazing. <laughs> it just came out of nowhere, <laughs> it was too. amazing. It just like, came out of yes. nowhere. And it was like, and it, obviously, Turgeon had been frustrated about this or pent up about it or something. Because it was just like what's you know, funnier, bully on the schoolyard or something. That's how he acted. Like Jawan was bullying him or whatever. It's what he was coming across as. What I love the fact is last week on the show we talked about kind of this weird, tepid feel that Michigan, Michigan State yeah. kind of has nowadays. And then meanwhile, yeah. you know. Michigan is just shooting bullets all over the Big Ten, just making rivalries with Illinois. That's a fun Maryland. one, at least. I have a Illinois. feeling. I have a feeling Iowa doesn't particularly like <laughs> Michigan at this point. Um, yeah, there's just 
there's just gas all over the league. Yeah, I, I think like it's it, pretty cool. Personally. I mean, I don't think anybody's doing anything to like hurt anyone or anything. And it was just, I mean, I think Turgeon got a little. I mean, it seemed like you know maybe he's got some valid gripes on sportsmanship if you got kids flexing on the bench, you know, in the earlier game, right? <laughs> like you don't like that, I guess. But also, like whatever, who cares? But it, like, I just found it after the game, even when he was like, I just said. I'm not going to put up with it. I've been doing this 35 years, and I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm like, stand up for yourself. You came at yeah. him, and what are you talking about? So that yeah, got me thinking, like, that. has Juwan just been, like, talking shit all year long, like, on the sidelines to these coaches or something, to a point that, like, it just hasn't been talked about a lot, but I guess it makes sense if he's, you know, getting into the ref's face, whatever. I mean, I assume it's just Juwan Howard being like, I don't give a shit. I'm not sweating any of you people because I'm Juwan Howard and that's oh, how no. this is going to go. And like, <laughs> I, you know, and they're just like, look, I, I have to stand up for myself somehow, some way. I, that's what it seemed like to me. It was weird. I mean, that part of it to me was weird. Like yeah. it almost seemed like Tertian was yeah. still shook in the post game an hour later, which he probably was. I would assume probably was coming at him. Which goes back to what the question. The there, man? Like, what are you trying to do? I'm pretty sure the shit might have been running down his leg when there was only one guy yeah. in between him. As four, as four guys the, or, restrained uh, Juwan, he, he probably felt a little bit better about the situation. Or he come back like for the third time. He kept coming. Like he kept like yeah. they kept pulling oh, him yeah. back, and then he kept coming back. And like by the third time, Dershon had to have been like, "Whoa!" Like, can we? <laughs> no. When I watched that replay, I was like, "The most important man in the gym at that minute was Chris Hunter." <clears throat> he got in there. He's yeah. the only he guy in the way who is mm-hmm. big enough to actually <laughs> hold back Juwan Howard. Just. Unless Hunter Dickinson is is throwing his weight into the situation, but if anything, I feel like Hunter Dickinson would be like jumping off the top rope off yeah. the scores table, trying to get in the mix himself. So, uh, good stuff though. Yeah, that love was the entertainment. That was Phenomenal. Uh, at Maze Nick, can MSU win against UCLA and maybe BYU without improvements or any production from Rocket Watts or Joey Hauser or both? They got um, shots. Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, um, but, you know, if you're just going to think Michigan State's suddenly going to become the consistent shot-making team randomly, you know, that's not what you're going to bank on. You, what Michigan State needs to do is, I feel like, between Hauser, Rocket, Bingham, like, if they go on a Sweet 16 run, I think it will be it could be a different guy every night. Yeah, right. right in your first-round right. game, Rocket Watts plays a great game, and they get past UCLA. And in the second game, Hauser hits a handful of threes against BYU. They get past BYU. Then they play Texas, and, you know, Marcus Bingham steps up and has a great game. But, like, the idea that, like, Langford is going to just be this steady number two or Rocket's going to be the guy who he was at the end of last year, I just don't – if they make any kind of run, I think it's going to be the same exact way that they did it at the end of the season. And it's just going to be Aaron Henry, and it's going to be – finding a way and it's going to be um you know getting stops when you need them just these these little things that they've done to to win games that really they didn't have much of a right winning what do you you think of the draw here or the path i guess uh for michigan state is it's obviously it starts off with like and i think this will be an entertaining game i Izzo said he thought it would be the best play-in game ever or something like that which we'll see right but like hey i'm here for the energy but let's I mean, the path in general. Let, I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that? Because I don't think it's... I mean, after after this, if you get through UCLA, you know, maybe not the craziest thing. Yeah, I mean, BYU, Texas, you're not really right. quivering, yeah. I don't I don't think. Um, 
it's it's a fine yeah. draw. By the way, I think Wichita State Drake might be just as good of an 11 seed sure. playing game as you as Michigan State UCLA. I think there's a very good chance Michigan State UCLA is unwatchable. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I mean, this is going to be a rock fight. Um, and now me saying that, you know, who knows what will actually happen, and it could be beautiful basketball. But right. if I had a bet, I think I'm agree. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a meat grinder. Um, so. Yeah, but their draw overall, I mean, I didn't look at this and be like, oh my, no chance. You know, this is not, this is not happening. Um, And really, if you look at kind of any of the the spots that they could have been in otherwise, like, it's a pretty decent I think so. Right. I I mean, I think Um, it is. I don't think you'd want to play one of the other six seeds are, what, Texas Texas Tech, I'd rather play BYU than oh, Texas yeah. Tech. Uh, San Diego State, I'd rather play um, BYU than San Diego State. And the only other one is USC, which is kind of falling apart. And actually, that's that's probably the weakest six. But um, it's not that bad. I, I, they have – it's not unreasonable for them to – when you've already beaten – Yeah, no, they've done what they've done. Illinois them, and Michigan uh, – Beating any of these teams is not intimidating, so uh, they might they could have a Sweet 16 run in them. For That's sure. what I was saying. I mean, I think that you get through that first one, and suddenly it's you know, and I think in a year like this too, you don't the play-in game. You're not flying. You don't have to do the thing where you play on a Tuesday night and then fly right. to wherever and play on Thursday. What, where would they would they do play Thursday night and then come back and play Saturday, or would they have to play Friday? Would they have to play back-to-back days, or would they so they'd have to come back Saturday? Case. So like you're. You're staying in Indy, whatever. Like, I mean, I, I mean, and if you're gonna be in a playing game, like this is the year to do it, right? I mean, like, I guess that's my point. Is like, it's yeah. not it'd as be, difficult. It'd be, it would still be three games, and it'd be three games in but five it days. Be with the travel, it wouldn't be the. But right, there's no travel. Well, I guess it would be from what Bloomington to Indy, but whatever. That's not you know, right? It's not. It's difficult. an hour, right? Well, unless you get stuck on the Mike Pence freeway there, and uh, <laughs> if construction hasn't been completed, yeah. construction. <laughs> but anyway, never ending construction. That's neither here nor there. Yes. I'm interested to see that one. I mean, not that's like I agree with you. It could be a ugly, ugly deal. But I'm interested to see if they can get through it, how it'll play out. Because I think you're right. I think I looked at that yesterday. I was doing my bracket. And I'm like Texas. Okay, whatever. BYU. Uh, maybe I would be. I don't know. I I think those are manageable. And I think you're. I'm agreeing with you. That that could be something where, in two weeks, you look up and say, well, that was a hell of a job. But it could also yeah. end right away. This, if you're going to be in a play-in game, this feels like the year to do it because of just the logistics and everything else being kind of easier yeah. on you. Um, all right. Let's see here. I like this one. This is from David J. 88692244. Were they all David, taken, David? Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> if I... <laughs> you're putting yourself out there with a, with a screen name like that, but... He asks, uh, how much outcry would there be among MSU or Michigan communities and alumni if their school had to oh, pay I like this. a $10 million buyout I just to this. make a coach yeah. go away? Uh, at minimum, wouldn't that result in the AD yeah. leaving too? Well, did um, Indiana's AD hire Archie? That's what I think. That's no. what I thought. But that's a good question. And to, to answer that first, the last part, yes. <laughs> I would think that that would also, at Michigan... If you are in a situation where you got a $10 million buyout on a... First of all, if you're in a situation where you have a $10 million buyout on a coach in year two, you're already probably fired. Not happening. Period. End of sentence. Not going to happen. They're not going to do it. There are 
so many uh, alums with law degrees and negotiating experience that would be in your shit within 30 seconds of everyone in the world finding out the contract ink drying that you let someone have mm -hmm. that kind of buyout. No, it wouldn't happen. I don't think it would happen here. I don't think it would happen at Michigan regions, State. Regions. The, the, imagine no, the they regions. would never let I it mean, happen. Like, that's the Michigan thing that I right. look at that. And the, the, Michigan's people, when you talk to them behind the scenes, are constantly aghast. The one thing that they typically agree on is, like, how are all these other schools continuing to get themselves in these situations where they're paying these ridiculous buyouts? You would you would have Regents using that buyout as yeah, like... I don't think it would happen. That's a good uh, question. It's fascinating. Platforms of their re-election yeah. campaign. It would, it would be... <laughs> like, there will be no more $10 million. <laughs> we are not doing it. Yeah, I mean, they're just not going to do that. I mean, and I know that the perception is always like, well, they have this unlimited... They have these unlimited funds and they're always comfortable and everything else. And the answer to that is often, well, how do you think they became comfortable and how do you think they became, you know, and obviously there's more to it than that. But no, I mean, I think that and I would hope we do know, though, in the basement of Yost, there is a just ducktail style yeah. pool of gold there's coins. a lot somewhere in some, you know, many basements, probably to be quite, to be quite honest. <laughs> But I just, I don't think it would get to that point. And I, we haven't seen anything like that for Michigan State. Although Mel Tucker has a big one. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that that would certainly result in also a change in leadership at the top. Because if you're agreeing to stuff like that and your school is, sometimes you're not in position to pay it. And I mean, Indiana had to go out and get, it was private money and they had to make a point of saying it was private money. And obviously, I think you'd see the same thing here, but. Philanthropic. Philanthropic. To fire a guy? Philanthropic. How about that? Yeah. But I mean, no, I, I just, especially at Michigan, because I just heard from too many people in recent years that every time this comes up where it's just like, how is this still happening? How are these teams still getting down the road with this stuff where it's like just these outrageous numbers that you have to pay these people? And I, I would hope that in the coming years, I mean, it's going to have to, because there's, I, I keep saying this, but it's going to, it's going to come to roost at some point. There's going to be a lot of schools that when the full impact and the full weight of all the, you know, and it's already started to, it's already hit for the most part, but I mean, you know, the, how long it's going to take you to make up for what was lost. There were promises made to some people on salaries that were handed out before the pandemic that could come back to haunt people as is. And we're not even talking about right. buyouts and everything else. I'm talking promises about facilities, everything else that a lot of these places made banked on, you know, we're going to have that money in X number of years because we always do. Like, this is going to get really tricky. So it's like, at some point, you know, the next wave of ADs have to be, like, you're, you're number two or somebody high up in your department has to be, like, a negotiator. You have to have an agent. Like, your school has to have an agent mm -hmm. or a negotiator to come back because... You can't just put your ass out there. You just get your like ass that. kicked by these people. Like, Jimmy Sexton and these right. guys just wearing people out. So, you know, no, I, I yeah, I think that's a good question from David. But I, I don't think, especially at Michigan, I think it would result in someone else being fired. I don't think it would ever get there at Michigan... And at Michigan State, I think it would be the same. I think that it would be, if you had to pay, if you had to go call, you know, whoever, Dan Gilbert or something, and beg him for $12 million to get out of a football, they'd be like, I'll give it to you, maybe, probably not, but maybe I'll give it to you, but you're firing whoever gave him this contract, and I'm going to stand there and watch you do it before I cut you this check. Like, that's that's the situation. I think that's how it would go. <laughs> I like it. I agree with all that. Um, from Fergie, JFergie97. Nick, your favorite NCAA tournament memories? Ooh. 
Uh, well, I think it's been... I think I've said this on the show before. I did see this question yesterday, so I thought about it for a second yesterday. It's remembered me. Um, the 97 uh, Arizona-Kentucky game was the game I always think about. Um, the title game. The overtime one. The, that Arizona yeah. team was so and outrageously good. Kentucky was good. still really good, too. I think it was Patino's last year. And yeah. that's the one that I always credit for um, getting me into, like... Truly, truly into college hoops. Because I think that when I looked back and I thought about it yesterday for a minute, I think that was the first or second, maybe, game that I was able as a kid to stay up the whole night and watch the whole thing. Right. So right. I think the year before when Kentucky beat Syracuse or whatever, I think they blew them out or it wasn't a great game. And I think I was able to stay up for that one and it was whatever. But that one, the overtime one, I just remember being like mesmerized by this. It was back mm-hmm. and forth. It was possession after possession. Everything mattered. I remember it got to overtime, and I was like, what, 13, something like that. And just, you're watching it, right. you know, it's 12 at night or whatever. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like, within five minutes, we're going to know who the, the champion is. Like, the whole thing, right, is going to be sold in five minutes. And that was the first sure. time I remember that. And then the next year, the 98 tournament, I watched, like, every game. That was the first year that I remember really getting. So that 97 Arizona-Kentucky game was the one for me that really did it. That turned me on <coughs> to... Like, this is so much more than what we see locally from just, like, Michigan State and Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like, this thing is massive, and it's really fucking cool. <laughs> like, that was – and the next year, yeah, the next year was the first year I think I remember. Like, I knew everything about everybody in the Final Four. Like, I watched all the teams, and, right. you know, across the country. So, uh, that's the one I always go back to, the 97 title game, just randomly because it was, like, the first time I got to watch it, I think, all the way through. That's a good one. Last year when everything got canceled – uh, and we went back and did like this day in tournament mm-hmm. history things. I got assigned writing the kind of re-reporting out the 97, yeah, uh, 97 I remember that story, title yeah. game. And talking to that some of those cool. guys was awesome. Like it brought me back yeah. to eighth grade. I was just like, oh my they God, so this good. team was just outrageous. And they weren't even good in the regular no, season. Either. They were kind of, they were kind of broken. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I have a, I have mm-hmm. a few, um, First of all, I was there for late. Yeah, night right. Yeah. In That's pretty good. Top to top. I was behind the Duke bench yeah, right. <laughs> as a ten-year-old. Uh, either St. Joe's was the host, or the, the A10 there, was right? the host, yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like Pop got tickets, and we went to that game. And, um, I was a, I was a Duke yep. fan because remember the, uh, remember when. Sports Illustrated, if you got a subscription, would send out like the video cassette of like yeah, this year yeah. in sports. So I think I had one from like 91. Is that when they lost yeah, to UNLV? When Grant Hill got the lob Yeah, because from their first one was against the, Bob, the Fab Five Bobby Hurley. next year. The first year, yeah. Right. So that yeah. was the year before. So I got a subscription to SI, mm-hmm. and I watched that VHS of like this year in sports. Like probably right. That might have been when they beat them, we didn't the UNLV. Have. But either way, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, they beat him. Right. The the, yeah. the Hurley lob to Grant Hill was that was the year before right. later, right, right. I think. And so I watched that tape like once yeah, a week. Right. Just I was a As you do. Psychopath, <laughs> right? Like Right, right. Um I was very well versed on the ninety one Minnesota twins <laughs> with Kent Herbeck and Kirby Puckett. But um so because of that tape, I, I thought Duke was really cool. So I, I saw Leitner hit that shot and don't worry, people. I, I grew Duke out of fandom. any yeah. Duke fandom. Um, yeah. Uh, my favorite experience watching a game would probably be 2011 Norfolk State as a 15 okay. seed. I was living in Chattanooga at the time, and a bunch of 
uh, my idiot friends from Philly decided we all decided to meet in uh, Savannah for St. Patrick's Day. Okay. And and to watch the tournament. <laughs> and we went to a bar. Yeah. Obviously. And Norfolk State was playing mm-hmm. Missouri. And Norfolk State had Kyle O'Quinn. Yep. And we all decided that Kyle O'Quinn <laughs> yeah. was our dude in that game. Like on the starting yeah. lineups, I was like, Kyle O'Quinn <laughs> is my guy. And they ended up winning the game, and like it was nine of us. And I mean, you would have thought we went to Norfolk State. I mean, we were losing our shit. It was just a phenomenal afternoon. Um, 2004 East Region Finals, mm-hmm. right? St. Joe's loses to Oklahoma State, but I will never forget that game was at the yep. Meadowlands, in Jersey. And like, there's maybe I don't know eighty thousand living alumni from mm-hmm. St. Joe's. 18,000 of them were in the parking lot at the Meadowlands on that day. It was just incre- it was an incredible scene. Um just just yeah. awesome, you know, for a small school like that playing in the Elite 8 and uh the game ended horrifically, but uh you know, that was just remarkable. Um best games I ever covered? I'd be curious for your best your tournament games? Favorite games that you ever covered? Um like the most Memorable one, I guess, is probably the Kansas-Michigan one where Michigan come back and beat Kansas. Sure. Uh, the Burke shot. The best game, though, was the Kentucky-Michigan game uh, in 14. That was the best. That was, I thought, mm. I still think that was, I wrote about that last year, too, in the pandemic. That that was, I still think, the de facto title game that year uh, in a lot of ways. I think the winner of that, well, no, it wasn't either because Kentucky didn't win it, right? So I guess it would have been the Kentucky de facto lost. whatever. I guess they got to UConn. But I thought Michigan would have had a shot to beat. UConn that year, uh, yeah, they got through it. That was a really good game. That was a both teams swinging at each other and both teams overcoming deficiencies, I guess, that the other presented, and really, really good. Jordan Morgan, yeah, yeah, all American flop. That was the that Tennessee game. game Tremendous, that was tremendous ten- job. Oh, that was the Tennessee they game. Kentucky right. in the uh, Elite Eight. They're on uh, whatever I'm sorry. Day that right was, uh, in Indy. That was um, really the flop heard around Knoxville though. To that was get a good game to too. That game. That was a good game, too. It was a good game. Um, like, the Houston game with the buzzer beater was a bad game. That's see, It was that, a bad game until the it buzzer It was, beater. but that yeah. ending, that shot was It so was good. really good, yeah. I mean, that was... It was the best buzzer beater, I, you know, I've seen. And it was everything. The fact that it was pool, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, like, being in the locker room that night was just insanity yeah. and, you know... You're supposed to close it down at how many When Jordan minutes. pulled his phone out yeah. and we were standing there and he <laughs> turned it on. Remember that? That was pretty cool. Yes. When, when all the text, we, we all, like, there was like six or seven of us standing there. And we all watched mm-hmm. him. He was like, hang on, check this out. He turned his phone on. We watched all the text. I mean, that was like, holy shit. Like, and it was like. Yeah, I mean, the thing was yeah. smoking. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was, a, that was a neat one from covering anyway, from up close. Yeah, only other. Only other game I cover that really is like next level would be the 09 Elite Eight Villanova Pit. Yeah. Great game. Big East game. Scotty Reynolds hits the teardrop at the buzzer on one of the all time great design yep. plays. Um, inbounds. What was it? Dwayne Anderson, I think, to Dante Cunningham. Scotty Cunningham just. Reynolds. Or, yeah. no, I'm sorry. Scotty Reynolds streaking up the right side of the sidelines. A little catch, flip. He gets it, goes downhill runs past the entire pit team makes the shot um it was not only a remarkable shot but it also i, I knew i got to was got, about to go cover my first final four there you it go. was like 
I was almost on top of it. <laughs> on top of the building? <laughs> top yeah. of the table, you know, getting my own towel, waving it over my head. So It's always uh, the games yeah. that deliver what that if, are the best. Because sometimes, you know, they don't. But sometimes they do. And, and those ones can. When, when, when both teams are just worn out completely at the end of a round or whatever. And, it's, and it gets down to the last eight minutes. And it's slugfest time to see who goes yeah. on. Like, those are the ones that are I always remember the most. And it's the stories. I mean, like, when, when uh, I think when I was would have been a senior in high school, St. Joe's played Stanford in the second round, I want to say, in, in a 8-9 game. That was Casey sure, Jacobson yeah. and the yep. Collins Twins. They were loaded. Uh, St. Joe's pretty good. And uh, I guess that would have been Jameer Nelson's freshman year, but they had this dude named Marvin O'Connor oh, yeah. who was just a badass. And uh, and before the game, Jacobson was asked, like, do you know where St. Joe's is? And he was like, no. There it he is. He was like, do you know who Marvin O'Connor is? He said, no. Right, you're going to find out. Because <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> Marvin proceeded to drop 37 on him in this game. It got a standing ovation from right. both sides <laughs> when he fouled out with, like, yeah. a minute left. Just one of the all-time performances. And, like, if you... If you ever get Martelli, ask him about that game. Because it was just like, I mean, Marvin was just right. nuts. And Stanford was shitting its pants. It was such a Those good game. Those are the best. Plenty of them every year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get uh, a good handful again. Yeah, I'll be curious this year. What do you think about that? Like, Do you think the circumstances are going to set up for like more upsets? Yes. Or yes. do you think I was it'll, thinking about be, it. it'll end itself to just the better, more talented... Teams just I was games. thinking about it last night, and I think that I could be wrong, but I think that the chaos or the difference of all this—you don't, there's no traveling, there's no travel advantages, there's no, you know, North Carolina getting to play the tournament in, in Roy Williams's driveway, you know, as we always, as we always <laughs> joke about, right? Like none of that. Kansas doesn't get to have a home crowd every single time it plays. I think all yeah, of those yeah. factors play in and I think it could be a little weird I mean I could be wrong though and because the other side of me pulls and says you know in a chaotic situation it's probably just the team with the better players but I think the fact that you know they're all in one place they're all at the same spot you know nobody has any advantage in any of that it's whatever when the ball tips and I mean look at like if Kansas or whoever goes out there and there's other can other fans be in the building from other teams yeah, there's going to be quarter capacity. You're booed if you're one of these teams that nobody likes, right? Like, so I think that it. I'm try, sorry to pick on Kansas, but that's the one that always shows up. Uh, sure. At least it seems like I've seen them for several years in a row, anyway. But yeah, I mean, I think that it could be weird. I mean, I think it could be a little. I hope so. That'd be fun. I mean, that it is so hard to gauge because that is like the the absolute beauty of some of these games when you're at these sites yeah, when everybody turns on someone. Yeah. Oh my God! You know it'll be a random four versus thirteen yeah. game, right? And a bunch of fans show up for the right. next game, and they see you know Virginia is losing to Ohio, and they're going to be like, "Yeah, fuck, fuck, Virginia. fuck Virginia!" And suddenly now we're all Bobcats for the now, next forty right? minutes. It's <laughs> the loudest you've ever heard. Right, and then they, the higher seeded team is just like that's when you just are hyperventilating because <laughs> you can't even believe your season's about to end. Everyone's against you. We're about because to be upset. This Mac right? fan the CBS base. cameras yeah, right. are all over the goddamn place. You know. Just, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the good stuff right oh, yeah. there. And we're going to miss a little bit of that this year, but the best wood, ever baby. is when a kid from a big Power Five school, 
uh, you know, a team like that happens, they're playing like a 14 or something, and the 14 gets on a run, and the crowd gets against them, and the and the three oh, ends yeah. up pulling it out, but the kid from the Power 5 school will start flexing the crowd and being like, fuck you, and you're just like, this is incredible. <laughs> he is like shit-talking a crowd that doesn't care anything about this game, but is just here to see his team lose. And it's like, those are the, and we won't see that probably this year, which is a bummer, but like, that's the... Yeah, those are those are fun. Those are fun moments because everybody starts getting because the tournament can go from super sterile to like holy shit, mm-hmm. it's got, it got really hot in here, you know, like really quick. So we won't have that this year. But and yeah. then like if you're you'll like be in the bowels yeah. of the arena and you'll just start hearing oh like my God. oh <laughs> yeah, right. oh <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, just someone is something right. is happening. Oh yeah. my God! And uh, and yeah, I mean that's just when you can see it and like you just see. Like, once you go through it a few times and you can, like, really pick up on the moments, that's when I start – I like to start, like, looking at the assistants, right? And you just see guys, and they are, like, seeing potential jobs fall through their fingers. You're seeing contracts. Yeah. You know, you're seeing guys with dollar signs in their mind. You're seeing, you know, players with – who just can't even believe the situation that they're in. You're – I mean, parents are losing their minds. It's – Officials are everyone just praying freezes. that they don't screw everyone everything freezes. up. When Michigan it's, lost, yeah. to, I mean, uh, it is just molten yeah, when Michigan hot. lost to Ohio that year in uh, whatever year that was. That was it. Mm-hmm. That was like they had such a good year. They won the Big Ten, and it was like, and here comes this team from Ohio that does not give a shit. And the whole building turned on Michigan. And the last like eight minutes was everyone <laughs> on Michigan's team just standing there with this like, whoa, like what just happened here? Like everything in like uh-huh. a half second just flips, and you're like, okay. And then they couldn't, you know. They couldn't catch a pass. They couldn't dribble. I mean, it's off one foot, and it's a whole mess. And Oh, yeah. I've, you know, we've seen those over the years. Those are always intense. People living it out, going through it. <laughs> in life, in life. I love it. <laughs> you got any more you want to get no, to? No, I think we're good. We'll wrap it up there. All right. That'll do it. Uh, well, yeah, thanks, pal. Uh, a lot of stuff coming your fun. way this week. Uh, well, there is. There's a lot. So, a little NCAA tournament action, a little Masters in a couple weeks. Um, exciting times yeah we'll see if one of these teams can make a yeah. run um, I don't think it's out of the question for Michigan State to make it to the second weekend don't think it's out of the question for Michigan to make it to the third weekend um, yeah I think we could both but we, we shall see, see both teams next week still going I sure. wouldn't be shocked sure. I wouldn't be shocked at all but we'll see Yeah. And either way yeah. we will be one back with another episode of The Beat we uh, we implore you all to leave us some kind reviews in the iTunes store that helps us from everything that we have been told um, support all of our sponsors and uh, be sure to tip your bartenders and servers I've seen hot towns on my day I've 